Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. Today, we're going to talk about the iOS 16 public beta is out. Anyone can download the beta if they would like. We're going to talk about if that's a good idea or not. MacBook Air M2 reviews are out. We're going to cover some of those. Plus, we've got some Apple Watch stuff and a grab bag of other topics. This episode is brought to you by Wealthfront, ZocDoc, and Collide. You'll hear about our sponsors in a moment. And joining me for two weeks in a row, my friend, Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes? Pretty good, Stephen. I think William's off marathoning Ted Lasso. At least we can only hope. Um, oh, so I'll, I'll be here today. Highly doubt it. Despite its 20 Emmy nominations, I doubt that will convince William to watch it. <laughs> to think. Right. But he did say he was interested in watching Five Days at Memorial, which does look like a really good show. So That does look. Yes, Apple had a new trailer for that. Apple TV Plus original based on the true events of Hurricane Katrina. Katrina, I believe, is going to cover the story of one of the hospitals there. So it does look very good. Looks good. Looks like a horror movie. I'm terrified. Like, I'm ready to watch it, though. Yeah, it does look scary. I just had a friend actually recently watch Severance, binged the whole first season, and uh, loved it. So excited for that. Severance also got a bunch of Emmy nominations as well. 14. 14 Emmys. We'll talk about that in a second because we have Apple TV stuff later in the show. William will be back for sure. He's covering some extra work he's doing this week. So fret not, William Gallagher will return sounded ominous but he will like you know james bond will return like an avenger yes yes they will return a couple five-star reviews want to give a shout out to john o'charles from australia wilberforce one from great britain that's a pretty great name time pilot 84 from usa and adrian a from the usa as well thank you for those five-star reviews and also before we get to the m2 macbook air reviews i just want everybody to know because i've been tweeting complaining about the shipping times for the studio display and it just keeps getting farther and farther. I have to wait longer and longer. So I put myself in line, Wes. I finally did it. And I will eventually, maybe one day, get a, a studio display because I've, I've, you know, supposedly, quote unquote, you know, bought it from the Apple store. But I think shipping right now is like end of August. So I, I put myself in the queue, as they say in the UK. Well, you've uh, you've tipped the balance, tipped the scales here, and Apple will certainly release the next generation studio display just because you yeah. ordered one. Yeah. And, you know, I had a lot of people say this, and this is going to be the new strategy I employ. If there's a product I ever hope to own that Apple releases with all the whole supply constraints and whatever's going on with all the supply chain stuff, if you order a product on like the pre-order day, like as soon as you can, you'll at least know you'll get it soon-ish, you know, in the next few weeks. Because once you wait, depending on the product, Studio Display was just one of these products where months wait uh, now if you want to buy it now. And Apple actually has a really good return policy. Like the the bottom line is if you buy it and you end up not liking it or you, you don't want it, you know, Apple really makes returns very simple. I've returned things in the past for whatever reason, and like they don't interrogate you like some stores will. They won't say like, well, what's what's wrong with it? You know, they don't do any of that stuff. So if there's a product that you're hoping to get, like a MacBook Air for a student in your life, maybe going off to university or high school, and you're like, I want to get them that M2 MacBook Air, but I'm going to wait. Don't wait. Just order it. And if you need to return it later, even after using it for a couple of weeks, you can return it. It's okay. Jokes aside, I don't think this next studio display is coming in the next like three years, honestly. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah. and and whatever we do get that that's like rumored, I've mentioned this before, that rumored high-end display with ProMotion and mini LED and all of our hopes and dreams packs inside. Even if that ships any time in the next two years, it's not going to be a studio display. That's a pro display XDR. But anyway, $5,000 display. Yeah, and that's the thing is with the Apple Silicon Mac Pro looming coming at some point this fall, 
I imagine there will be an updated version, even if it's just like a spec bump for whatever reason of the Pro Display XDR. But I am not in the market for a $6,000 monitor. Just not going to do it. <laughs> so I feel pretty safe with a studio display for a, number, a few years. It's a great it's a great monitor. Even if the webcam, um, I turned it on today just to look at it. And my goodness, Steven, I think it's getting worse. It's just, <laughs> well, I know I, I work in a cave, but still like, my gosh, it's just noise. When it comes to webcams, I actually already have a solution. I'm testing some webcams and I tried the Logitech Creator webcam which is really good, great value. It's like 150 bucks. But the one that's this like unattainable one because there's a wait list and all that is the Opal C1. The Opal C1 is this quote unquote high-end webcam. You have to join a wait list and it has to, and it's like $300, but it's 4K. It has a digital aperture of like F1.8. So it does pretty good in low light. It doesn't really have a natural bokeh, but it has all these settings. The reason why I'm saying all this is because I actually just got it. I got it to test. <coughs> and it is really good for a webcam, and it's probably going to sit on top of the studio display whenever I get it a few years from now. So the Opal webcam is really good. If anyone is interested in getting the Opal webcam and you want to skip the wait list, DM me on Twitter because I have a couple invite codes. So you can do that if you really want to get it. My solution here is if I ever have to look pretty for somebody, like if I'm going to some, for some reason, um, everyone at Apple Insider is in a plane crash and I'm the only one left to do an interview with CNBC or something, I'm going to hook up my iPhone using that continuity camera feature and use that. I don't think I'm going to spend more than a dollar on a webcam. That's a great point. Like the Opal webcam or any other high-end webcam is really only for someone who just wants the luxury of an always connected webcam that you never have to like mess with. And it just sits there because right. continuity camera, we'll talk about it in a second is an incredible feature and everybody's been showing it off on YouTube. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Cause I do want to hear your experience as you're running the betas everywhere. I do want to mention the MacBook air M2 is now available to buy. If you go to an Apple store in person today, you might be able to get some models. July 15th is the official launch date. Pre-orders will be arriving depending on your configuration. Lots of configurations got pushed to like early August, not even if you had waited, like it was early August, even if you ordered right at 8 a.m. last Friday Eastern, just some of the configurations aren't coming on launch day. So that's out there, but a bunch of reviews were also released yesterday. If you listen to this as the day is released, they were released Thursday morning and all the YouTubers have reviews, you know, The Verge, all these people got reviews and a couple of interesting things about it. Everyone says, you know, hardware design, it's great. You know, it's very light, very thin. The M2 chip is really good as you would expect. A couple negatives, or at least things to watch out for, the base model memory, which is 256 gigabytes, or storage, the SSD, in the base model M2 MacBook Air, there's only one NAND flash chip, which means there's actually slower speeds when accessing some of that storage. If you get the higher storage models, or at least that second tier model, you know, as Apple sometimes does, you have like the base base model and then like a second tier model. Those higher tiers come with two NAND storage chips, which actually means you can access data a little faster. For a lot of people getting a MacBook Air, it might not even be noticeable or matter, but it's something to be aware of. And one other negative that I saw in some of the reviews, the midnight color, which looks really nice right out of the box. You know, I saw Justine's video, The Verge had it. It looks really nice as a color, but very fingerprinty if you care about that. And also it seemed like the USB-C ports on the side, if you get close up to those ports, even from some of the reviewers, if they've used those ports a couple times, the midnight 
iodized or whatever it is that makes the blue color seems to be like slightly chipping off very very slight you know only right around the USB-C port hole but I thought that was interesting and I'm not sure the durability of those finishes so I thought that was interesting this thing is uh you're going to be inserting a port yeah but what, what is a what is a USB connector made out of like I don't even know. Like it's a me- it's a metal, but uh, yeah, it's a metal of some kind. That's a good question. It's a metal, but yeah, it's, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna scratch that uh, anodized paint no matter what because the, it's a harder material than the paint. I pro- I'm I'm sure of that. Like anything, it's gonna scratch when you make contact with it enough. I mean, that'll probably wear over time. Just don't be too aggressive with your USB ports. I don't know. I it's one of those weird things where I'm not staring at the ports too much. I personally just want the color, and if it gets a little beat up, honestly, it might just look a little cooler. I don't know. I I, I want my stuff to look like it belongs in mad max or something i guess <laughs> yeah what do you think of the fingerprints though is that going to drive you nuts would you have to carry around a, a washcloth everywhere you go you know i'm not sure if i've actually had a device that fingerprinted that much recently i mean i feel like the glossy backed ipods like with the mirror finish might be the last time i had a very fingerprinty device i know the jet black iphone 7 had that it was very fingerprinty but i don't know i don't know if it would bother me I would have to see it in person. I think I'm going to have to go to an Apple store and check it out. The Midnight does come with Midnight colored Apple logos and a color matched MagSafe cable. And those look kind of cool. <laughs> but I don't know. I'd have to see about the finger is. A quick follow up, by the way. USB connectors typically made of a brass, a copper and zinc alloy plated nickel. But some of them are gold plated. This, uh, this is a random article. So maybe it's that. Funny. Yeah. Very, very random set of metal that probably costs uh, nothing as, as little as possible <laughs> yes, yeah next to nothing like they're giving it away for free the gr- fingerprint thing doesn't bother me too much i am picky enough though that i would probably you know if i'm going to a cafe or something i, I want it to look nice I'll, I'll probably wipe the top off real quick i'm not going to sit there and scrub it or anything yeah if i can see it it, it it bugs me so like ipad displays i find myself cleaning a lot because i'm touching them but uh yeah it's not really that big a deal i had that matte black iphone oh. by the way and i i remember the same complaints coming up around the matte black iphone and i got one and i i went caseless like i usually do and had no real issues and that was back when i was in the navy working in industrial environments and stuff i think by the time it was time to upgrade and turn it in there might have been a couple of like nicks like that you could see but nothing as catastrophic as some of these people make it out to be this isn't you know bend gate where people are you know going on youtube and purposefully bending phones in half or anything but i would expect some chipping some resistance but uh this kind of material too it's probably one of those things where every device is going to be slightly different Mm -hmm. you know the coating is going to be uneven like you know not visibly uneven but chemically uneven i guess in a way so that some will be more resistant than others uh, if you understand what i'm saying so yeah 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 so some people might see more dings than others that's why some reviewers are mentioning it but i don't see it as like an issue or anything i i would prefer have the color than not in yeah. this case like sometimes when i have my 14 inch macbook pro if i'm going to plug in something via thunderbolt or usb c sometimes like i try to plug it in without looking at the port directly like i just kind of feel for it and then if you don't get it you know you kind of just like slide it up the side of the laptop till it like slots into the port and whenever i do hear that sound of like USB-C connector running along the side of a laptop before it plugs in i do think to myself am i yeah. scratching my thing but then i look and on the silver color or at least i think i have space gray it doesn't seem to scratch that i, I have an ipad mini and an iphone i both i use without a case so i am always very aware 
of like when the ca- camera bump of one is resting on the screen of the other and stuff like that. Like yeah. I always try to maneuver it in some way, but I'm thinking like, am I scratching all of my stuff? And I look and it's not. So I, it requires some force for you to do damage to a lot of these things, but it is something to keep in mind, I guess, especially uh, with colored aluminum. I mean, an iMac, for example, being maybe this is why Apple didn't go full color is because like the iMac is sitting on a desk. You're not rubbing things against it. You're not putting it in a bag uh, usually. So it's not going to have the same issues. Whereas a MacBook, they probably tested red, purple, uh, you know, yellow MacBooks and they got probably destroyed. You know, every material is going to be different. Every color that they have to anodize, you know, the, that chemical process that colors it, is going to be slightly different for each color. So some colors are going to do better than others. And that's probably why they chose midnight ultimately is because not only does it look good, but it actually maintains the finish and isn't as breakable versus, you know, why didn't they do a darker space gray, space black type device or yeah. something? Well, I, I would assume black would just that's be true. absolutely destroyed. I'm, I'm going to do some ASMR real quick. This is the sound I'm talking about. I have my MacBook pro here in hand. And if you have something and you kind of rub it, everybody hear that sound. <laughs> <laughs> I barely heard it. Uh, yeah, I know. It was very quiet. I'll see if I can bump it up in post. Anyway, but that's, that's yeah, that's the sound of a port against the side of a, of a MacBook. For whatever reason, and I know this is random, I whenever we talk about these kinds of things, I, I always recall the in the Sherlock Holmes uh, film where he comments on the fact that the guy is a drunk because he has scratches on his watch because he misses the wind-up port when he tries to wind it before bed. Oh, and I, you know, good. so that's we're all... Good. Yeah. So we're all a bunch of drunks trying to plug <laughs> in the USB USB port. ports. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's a good one. Also linked to an interview, Evans Hankey, the company's vice president of industrial design at Apple, did an interview with GQ, talked about the MacBook Air design, said that the basalt hue, which is the midnight color, is much loved by Apple's internal design team. But I also thought it was interesting when creating the MacBook Air M2, that they needed to calculate, you know, what will fit and how big parts are. And so apparently they made a spreadsheet that included every single part and its intended size in developing the M2 MacBook Air design. I thought that was interesting. I'm curious if they use numbers for that spreadsheet. And uh, I would be very curious if that's like floating around the uh, Apple circle somewhere. So. I thought that was funny. It'd be funny if, uh, like, someone walked in and saw a Google spreadsheet and, like, they're like, get that out of here. <laughs> or worse, oh. Microsoft Excel. No, I don't know which would be worse, no. though. Pro- probably an Excel sheet. I thought was interesting is they use that spreadsheet, though, as a tool to determine how balanced the entire right. notebook was as they decided which part goes where, which was interesting. Like, I don't know. It, I You see this logic board anyway, and it's razor thin and it has all these little chips on it so you have to think like it can't weigh that much but most of the weights from the battery anyway i i don't see it right you know just put a little bit more battery on this side and you're done right mm-hmm. like i don't know this thing seems complicated yeah but i will say i mean overall performance wise you know if you get an m2 macbook air you're gonna be happy with the performance maybe try to get that second tier if you're getting one i always try to tell people get at least one terabyte ssd storage especially if this computer is going to be something you use for a few years and overall there is Slightly better sustained performance, as we all expected, from the M2 MacBook Pro. That's what all the tests of these reviewers uh, revealed, which, again, expected because the MacBook Pro has a fan, so it could sustain longer runtimes. But for all the other reasons that the MacBook Air, the design, the thinness, slightly larger screen with the notch, just use Bartender if you need to organize some of those menu bar icons. M2 MacBook Air is an incredible machine. I think people are going to really like it if they got one. Before we move on, I, I did do the review roundup, so I wrote a few, a few of these things, and yeah. most of them were commenting on that the 
the processor and the compared to the 13 inch MacBook Pro, but like what you got to know is the difference is negligible and we're and the MacBook Air is a fanless machine. So even though performance is going to peak, peak sooner and more often, uh, you have to do a lot to get anywhere near that. And I mean, nobody buying this machine is, is going to find a way like it, it's, it's always funny to me. It's like, Oh, but it, it, it peaks faster or, or it hits this temperature. Right. Yes. And Geekbench, like nobody for is buying a MacBook air to like solely to run Geekbench 24 <laughs> hours a day. Right. That's not what's happening. So, and the real world tests have been variant at best. Like uh, I was listening to the recent ATP episode and they were like, talking about the, uh, 8k video export or whatever that sent the temperature way high and it's like yeah first of all <laughs> if you're if you have an 8k camera capable of recording in pro res you've already spent like four times as much money as this macbook air buy a macbook right. Pro. <laughs> yeah. you know so i it just seems so unrealistic like when people try to go after these weird gotchas it, that's what it feels like to me as a gotcha right. like who apple you you didn't quite do as good as you thought it's like man this thing is 11 millimeters thick right <laughs> isn't that thinner than the original iphone oh yeah the design is amazing oh, yeah. the screen is great all this stuff but you can't run uh benchmarks as much as you know as you would like and it's like who's running a benchmark yeah. all day i don't understand if, if you have a student going to university high school and they need a laptop like the m2 macbook air is the one to get you know if they're going to be doing video and graphic design you know look at the macbook pro the 14 inch, 16 inch, even for video and stuff, if it's a casual right. user or if they're going to university and they're, they're taking courses on video, even then that's true. They're not doing like absolute professional work. They're just learning the stuff. They they'll get the money later for the more advanced machines. This is great for just tinkering around learning. Yeah. So the video and the photo stuff, I wouldn't even like worry about that. Like that's true. This doesn't, this thing doesn't even become a problem until we start talking about intensive app development, yeah. 8k video. If you're trying to game, but again, you're not buying this thing to game. Right, so right. yeah, it's very hard to clock this thing for sure. So I'll put a link to all the review roundup. And of course, uh, Andrew's going to have several videos. He gets his on launch day on Friday, July 15th. As you listen to this, this episode is brought to you by Wealthfront. Listen, in times like these, you need to make the most of your cash. And keeping cash anywhere just isn't paying you a high enough interest rate. Instead, use Wealthfront. Wealthfront is a saving and investing app that can help you earn more on your money and build wealth for the future. The Wealthfront Cash account gives everyone a 1.4% APY interest rate, which is 20 times what traditional banks pay. So if you kept $10,000 in a Wealthfront Cash account for a year, you'd be on pace to earn an extra $140 a year instead of like seven bucks. That means while your money earns 20 times more, you can keep saving more, whether that's for an emergency fund, a down payment, or your honeymoon. And unlike other savings options, you'll always have access to your money thanks to unlimited free transfers, free access to over 19,000 ATMs, and no account fees. And then if you ever wanted to invest with Wealthfront, you can move your money into the market in minutes to grow it even more for the long term. And I've personally used Wealthfront for investing in the past. I love the service. Their app is super easy to use. I highly recommend. Opening that cash account is super easy and it only takes just a few minutes to sign up and start earning 1.4% interest on all your cash. And if you start now, you'll get a free $50 bonus with a $500 deposit. That's a great deal. There are already nearly half a million people using Wealthfront to save even more, earn more, and build long-term wealth. So why wait? Earn 1.4% on your cash today. Visit Wealthfront.com slash Apple Insider to get started. That's Wealthfront.com dot com slash apple insider the link will also be in the episode description this no-brainer good news has been a paid endorsement from wealthfront our thanks to wealthfront for sponsoring this episode 
So the iOS 16 public betas were released. So you don't need to have a developer account anymore to run the betas. You can, anyone can download it for iPhone, for iPad, even Apple TV and HomePod, macOS Ventura. It's all available as a public beta. When it comes to like feature, like NDAs or like features you're supposed to show off, I guess you're not supposed to show off some of these features while the betas are in the developer beta cycle. But once it hits public beta, then some of the features like officially can be talked about. And so there was kind of like this whole round of tech YouTubers doing the iOS 16 features once the public beta released because, you know, they didn't want to break whatever developer agreement supposedly uh, that's out there for the features. So it was interesting to see kind of this whole new round of feature coverage from different tech reviewers. But the one that's really getting a lot of the attention is the continuity camera. And if you remember, this is the feature that Craig Federighi showed off where you can use your iPhone, put it on like the lid of your laptop or on a desktop and the and your Mac will see your iPhone as an external webcam wirelessly. You don't have to connect it with any kind of cable and you can use your iPhone camera, the back camera even, to become a webcam for your device and you can use it in video conferencing apps or just to record it. And so you have that as well as the desk view which uses the ultra wide lens to actually create kind of a top down view right in front of the computer. And so several tested it. I saw like Sarah Dietschy has a Twitter video, MKBHD, and it's really good. I mean, the technology is incredible that it could get something that even looks top down from your iPhone that's sitting on your laptop lid, like less than a foot away and it not look crazy distorted, but it does get a little distorted. Like if you're trying to have a phone or some kind of 3D object that you're trying to do a top-down shot of that's not flat on the table. And even if it's flat, you do see some of those like aspect ratios get a little stretched. It doesn't have like the exact proportions because it's doing a lot of computation to take an ultra-wide camera shot and both have video of you as the talking head and of the desk view. Now, you're running the betas everywhere and (laughs) your computer actually tried to use your iPhone as a continuity camera as we started the call. Have you had any experience with it? Well, I did the initial hands-on, which, if you remember, that was uh, chest mode um, or shirt mode. <laughs> right, that's right, that's right. I sit at a desk where I'm about, you know, the standard four feet away from a monitor um, and with the iPhone mounted behind the MacBook in a way so that it's above where the webcam is, you have to be significant distance away. So if you look at these videos where people are actually testing it, they're on like a wide office table with the MacBook on one side of the table pointed at the desk and that works. It works great. It's just funny because I feel like a lot more people are at a standard desk setup rather than sitting at a like cafeteria sized table. So um, it is it is a cool feature. I do like how it works, but um, you have to be in a very specific situation to actually use it. Uh, but yeah, it did it did pop up and offer to use my iPhone camera and microphone um, using the continuity feature before we started the call. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, but when it comes to like if you have a studio display or you're just looking for a high end webcam, if you have an iPhone and you're okay having the iPhone being used during your video calls. This is probably going to be the highest quality webcam you can get. I mean, I have for free. You already have an iPhone. You already have an iPhone. Even if it's like an iPhone 11 or 12, I have the Opal C1 webcam. I've been testing it for the past few days. And I will say it still does not beat the iPhone quality camera just straight out of the box. The Opal, I've had to adjust a lot of settings, especially white balance. 
sometimes focus gets off and I kind of have to manual focus it or turn the auto off and on. Like it's a little finicky. And so if you're looking for just high quality video, because maybe you do a video podcast or you're trying to get into that, don't, I would say just get the iOS 16. Well, I don't know about get the beta, but wait till iOS 16 launches and use your iPhone as your webcam. And you're going to get the best quality you can aside from using like a mirrorless or dedicated camera for your webcam. So where do you have the betas installed? Cause yeah, I have it on every device, including the Apple TV. <laughs> okay. So no, I have the beta installed on my iPad. That's the only place that I put it. And so I can't speak to like lock screen stuff or stuff on the Mac. I will see in, in some of the videos I saw there's like a new video player interface in Safari, which looks really nice, more user-friendly, better access to certain controls. And the system settings, Apple is kind of adjusting the macOS system settings as these betas are released. And the one feature that Craig Federighi said was coming back was in the trackpad and mouse area when you adjust those settings. Previously, there was like real video of a person's hand on a trackpad actually showing the gestures and then showing what that gesture does. Now they've moved to, it's not video, it's actually just kind of like these blue circles mimicking what the touches for the gesture are, and then showing you what it does in the interface, which seems maybe a little less clear, especially for like a beginner, maybe not familiar with all these gestures, but they did bring some kind of illustration back. So you having running the beta on everything, what are some of your thoughts on these features? Well, first of all, the video thing I know is controversial amongst the uh, Mac nerds who probably grew up in the 80s, but I don't know that anyone on the planet that's learning how to use gestures from settings uh, just because I guess it's cool having the menu there and it's nice having the option. I just don't, I don't really understand like why people complain which way or the other. It's just a video and most people are going to probably learn like all the gestures from YouTube or whatever, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I haven't noticed it. It's so weird. Cause we're getting into that part where I've been using it so long. I forget what's new. <laughs> right. Like I'm really enjoying the standout features, uh, like the lock screen customization I had to add. I've been going through like the photos recommendations. Cause there's a section where you say photos and then you can say people, pets or whatever. And photos basically surfaces like the best lock screens from your library. And, uh, it, it the one I put in the show notes here, I, I've been using, and it's just so funny because it's a great picture of the cat, of my cat anyway, but I love how the depth effect, it's able to see the fine hairs on top of its mm-hmm. head and hide it, the time behind them, yeah. you know, and that's, it's just really cool. And I've seen a lot of people sharing around the depth effect, wrapping around things or translucency uh, and bubbles and, and whatnot. I think this is a really cool feature. I'm looking forward to see artists um, and photographers develop new custom wallpapers that take advantage of this um, in the best ways. The only complaint I think about, uh, I have about this is if you have a really cool wallpaper that has a 3d depth effect, it stops working. If you turn on widgets, which is really annoying. I wish Apple would find a way to utilize widgets and the 3d effect, wrap the uh, images around those as well. But um, for whatever reason, when you turn on widgets right now, it just goes away, which isn't kind of disappointing. Hmm. One thing I have noticed as well, because I'm using Apple's um, all of Apple's apps, including podcasts and music, uh, the newest beta version three version two uh, has the music, the new music player widget. But uh, you you just tap on the Apple Music um, like album art playing, and it becomes the lock screen. It it replaces the wallpaper with a like. Uh, just a color effect based on whatever album art is present. The album art is centered 
And if you get notifications, they come in underneath and the, the uh, playing widget and the notifications move up over the album art. So it essentially becomes a part of your lock screen. And it's really a cool effect. And it also works on Apple Podcasts. I wonder if this is going to be, you know, if this is part of the now playing widget, mm. I'll have to test it. But I think it's specific to Apple apps. So I, I don't think I could go into YouTube and make this happen. Right. Now, one of the things are, I think the Apple Podcasts app, there's like a new lock screen when you play a podcast in Apple Podcasts, it shows kind of like larger chapter art and stuff. Have you seen that? Well, it's it's the same idea. Like I said, it's uh, it's the it's whatever art is being shown for that podcast becomes the lock screen. Like, like I described for Apple Music, it's the same thing. I just started playing an episode of the Apple Insider podcast on my iPad because I want to see same old now playing widget on the iPad. It doesn't get the cool thing. Yeah, iPad's weird. I don't I think these notifications and stuff will be coming to iPad, but it's definitely not in the beta. Yeah, it's it's weird. Oh, speaking of naming, I, I had a funny tweet I just want to recall. You know, Apple now has like center stage and stage manager with iOS 16. I think next will be stage hand for Apple VR and stage coach for Apple Car. There you go. That was that was a live dramatic reading of my tweet. Uh stage coach, my goodness. St- stage coach, that was fun. This episode is brought to you by Collide. If you're a business and you're considering a third-party audit like SOC2, you should be prepared to answer tough questions about endpoint security. Auditors want to know that you have a system in place to monitor and maintain compliance across your fleet of devices, which means showing that your employees are using things like disk encryption, screen lock, and password managers. And if you're not sure how you go about proving all of that, then you need Collide. Collide is an endpoint security tool for Mac, Windows, and Linux devices that does things mobile device managers can't and gives you the visibility you need to meet your third-party and internal compliance goals. Best of all, Collide doesn't resort to surveilling employees or locking down devices. That's so frustrating for employees who feel like they can't use the devices that they've been given. Instead, Collide works with end users to resolve issues and relies on their cooperation and informed consent. You can meet your security goals and pass your audit without compromising on privacy. Visit collide.com slash Apple Insider to find out how. And when you follow that link, you actually get a free goodie bag just for activating a free trial. Free trial, free goodie bag, you can't lose. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash Apple Insider. Collide.com slash Apple Insider. That link is also in the episode description. Our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. One cool feature I forgot about until I saw the, the public betas going out there. When you have iOS 16 on your iPhone and watchOS 9, you can do this in the betas now too. You can actually interact with your Apple Watch from your iPhone screen. This is an accessibility feature that you can enable, but really cool. I mean, you can even spin the dial of the Apple Watch or mimic a crown, digital crown spinning by touching the dial on your iPhone screen. But I thought this was cool too, because especially for instructional type things, you know, I've had to film the Apple Watch screen a number of times. Like I did the Apple Watch Series 7 review and other little like tutorial style, other tutorial style videos. And it's actually kind of awkward to film the Apple Watch screen when it's on your wrist. Like you kind of have to really contort your wrist and you don't get a great view of the screen a lot of times. And then to take the Apple Watch off your wrist and film it, it usually looks better on camera. You can adjust for glare better but then it constantly locks because it's not on your wrist. Like you could put your fingers behind it to kind of mimic that it's on your wrist and you know maybe it'll prevent it from locking, but it can be a pain. This I feel like would be great because you can actually record the iPhone screen that's seeing the watch. So if you wanted to maybe airplay that or show that on a big screen, if you're trying to 
teach something to a class, but just to be able to interact with it from the phone. I think it's a really cool feature. And I think a lot of people find useful. Yeah, I, I think that's a actually really smart using screen recording and stuff. If you want to make a video about Apple Watch, just it's just a great accessibility feature overall. But I, I think it would come in handy in a lot of use cases. Yeah, real time follow up, music widget, whatever. It's a now playing widget. So there's Apple has a distinction between an iOS Apple Watch or whatever between whatever object whatever app is playing and the now playing controls um this you you know this by if you if you're playing something in youtube and you go to control center you'll see that youtube uh you know controls within the now playing widget and control center well it turns out interactive lock screen thing where you get the large apple uh sorry the large album mm -hmm. art as the lock screen gotcha that is a now playing widget so i just tested it by playing a song in soundcloud and safari and a youtube video and both of those have show the full screen album art um i, I played a apple insider uh youtube video and it showed the, the what is that called the uh thumbnail it showed the thumbnail as the art but it does do the same thing for uh any playing media which is cool. that is very cool yeah i look forward to that on my iphone i've been tempted with the public beta i've had several friends text me and other people on twitter being like yep yeah, public beta is really stable it's working great and i'm like nah, i usually do not do it I, I might i might put my girlfriend on it honestly really? and go ahead and start testing the uh the family album out and stuff just because it's it's so stable and um i mean if there are issues it's nothing catastrophic i mean i'm gonna do backups i'm gonna collect everything and make sure we're good, but everything's in the cloud these days. It's really hard. Now, this isn't to say go out and install the betas forever. No, and always, no, we're not saying that. Nope. But nope. what I'm saying is, is like <laughs> what had happened as was. far as a like a testing perspective. If you know what you're getting into, if you know, like if you're talk to your spouse and they're okay with like okay. Every now and then you're going to open Discord and nothing's going to happen. Every now and then you're going to try to play Apple Music and it's going to boot loop your phone. Like, <laughs> it's, it, you know, and that does happen. And it's, but even in this beta, like I'm talking about examples that have actually happened, yeah. like things are just not going to work. <laughs> so as long as everyone's willing to accept that the beta testing isn't so bad in the public uh, one would be fun, especially if you have younger family members, maybe they want to, you know, their kids, they want to show off the new lock screen to their friends and stuff. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not the end of the world. There's a reason why Apple makes it public, but it isn't to say like, we're not endorsing you to go out and blow up your phone either. Man. Now, honestly, the one feature I really want now is focus filters, because when it, you can turn off certain email accounts, depending on focus filter, I've set up a focus filter on my iPad where once it hits the weekend, like I don't see any emails from any work accounts, you know, only my personal emails. And I could not check email at all, but there are times when I order something from Amazon or I've gotten like food delivery and those receipts come to my email. And so if it's something that's kind of in real time or you're expecting something, you want to look at those receipts. Maybe you have to show something. You bought tickets to something like a movie and you need to go to the email to get the confirmation number to pick up the tickets. You know, I still need access to my email. And I love that when I open the email app on my iPad on the weekend, I never have to worry about seeing any work-related stuff. It's just my personal email. But the real place I need that is my phone because <laughs> that's where, that's the device I have to check in those moments, whether it's, you know, Chipotle or movies or whatever. And man, I, I would just love focus filters because sometimes you open that email app and a work email snuck in there. And I would just love to just be able to turn it off, you know, not, not see any of that. Also for text messages, which is pretty cool, you know, only the certain people, you only see the conversations of people in that focus filter, 
in your messages list uh, when you text somebody. So I'm tempted. We'll see. You do have to have some self-control because, uh, and I wish there was a way to turn this off just for the sake of having it. But if you have focus filters on and messages and mail, like you mentioned, there is an option at the top of the screen, always visible. that says turn off the filter. And I find myself a lot of times being like, "Mm, is there another message I need to see? And like tap it real quick, see there's nothing and tap it back on again. See, (laughs) see, see, I can fight that urge. It's really just the muscle memory of swiping down to engage spotlight. And because I open the mail app so much on my phone, it's always in the suggestions. Like nine times out of 10, the mail app is just there. Right. And my, my muscle memory, my reaction is just to open it. Even if I really don't want to open mail, like so many times I have to fight that urge. But if the focus filter is there, it's enough where I won't see it and I can swipe back home and, and you know, pull the parachute. and I don't have to see any of the messages there. So that, that's the feature I'm really looking forward to. And I don't know, I'm tempted to do it on my phone. We'll see. Let me know, listeners, if you're running the public beta, iOS 16 on your phone, let me know if anything crashes. I will say like iPhone, sure. Mac, go for it. Mac, you can do all kinds of stuff to like virtual machines and whatnot. I have a tip on here for a virtual machine tool. Um, that's actually really interesting made by, uh, I think Gamera Rambo that we talk about a lot. Yeah. yeah. He made a virtual machine tool that basically lets you just pull a beta onto your Mac. Really simple. So Mac go for it. iPhone. Yeah, sure. iPad, not really worth it. There's not a lot going on there unless you have an iPad that handles stage manager, then sure. If you really want to test that out, just again, stage manager is not you know, mission ready. It's still kind of falling apart. A lot of the apps are still just not working. So that's something you can hold off on. That feature is such a system critical feature. It, it, it is a little too buggy for going on a, a device that you're going to use every day, but like versus like the iPhone or an iPad mini, the feature sets are outside of anything critical. So even if something's buggy, it's probably not going to affect something that you're doing on a daily basis. Apple watch, those are scary betas. <laughs> oh you, uh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So I probably wouldn't, uh, unless you're running an Apple Watch daily and you're putting a beta on your iPhone, you'll run into some weird syncing issues. So you might as well beta the watch. Just understand that it does come with even more risk. And Apple TV, why, why even bother? You know, don't even. Um, but I did want to ask you, Stephen, are you going to put the public beta on the, your <laughs> HomePod Minis? <laughs> what feature would I care to have on there from HomePod? or whatever OS runs on the HomePod. TVOS. Uh, nobody knows. Nobody, nobody knows. knows. Um, but Apple, for the first time ever, made it possible for anyone to install a beta on their HomePod Mini. The large HomePod is excluded. Um, there is a beta program for the HomePods called through the Appleseed program in the developer process. I don't even have access to that. I'm not in the Appleseed program. You have to be invited. So this is actually the first time that anyone can get access to a beta, but Apple did not provide any, any de- detailed release <laughs> notes. There. Yeah. They're just like, it's a beta. Put yeah. it on there. Go nuts. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to leave my HomePods <laughs> alone. They, they, they take a while to respond anyway. All right. Some rumor roundup. Ming-Chi Kuo's been out here tweeting some stuff, posting things. Looks like the iPhone might get that Periscope style camera come iPhone 15, which would be next year. So you talk about 2023. So might be looking at that. There were some rumors about iPad possibly going OLED screen in 2024. So just long rumors out here. But I did want to mention Mark Gurman in his newsletter every week. And this week he was talking about the Apple Watch, specifically saying that the extreme model that I think we talked about it last week, but whatever that rugged version is that's geared towards athletes, supposedly very durable. He's saying it might be called Apple Watch Pro 
and that Apple will sunset the Apple Watch Edition branding, which I think it, that would make sense. I don't know if anyone like normally understood that Apple Watch Edition meant like nicest and best if they weren't kind of already in the tech and Apple world. So Apple Watch Pro, I think that name would differentiate that higher end. German saying it would sport a larger battery, bigger screen, S8 chip, and start at like $900, which makes sense. I mean, the Edition watches started, I think, around, you know, six or $700 just for stainless steel. Titanium's going up towards that 900 I also don't know about Pro. I don't know if I like the term Apple Watch Pro. And I, I don't know if Apple would call it that. How, what do you think? Do you think Apple would go Pro on the watch? I mean, the word Pro has lost all meaning at this yeah. point. A- Apple just calls anything that costs slightly more than the bottom uh, Pro. And sometimes it does come with Pro features or there is like a like the MacBook Pro definitely is a Pro device where uh, at least if you're looking at the $2,000 one. And then the iPhone Pro, it's harder to argue. But yes, the the video capabilities, ProRes, ProRaw, all that stuff. ProMotion. Promo- yeah. ProMotion. It does actually feed into the Pro naming watch though like what makes a watch pro and that ruggedized stuff we have to talk about athletics like this is a health device like if the three features of an apple watch are uh social like notification management health tracking and athletic tracking you're not going to make a pro social feature what's pro health like uh that would be the glucose monitoring right yeah you know that would be such a weird again weird name so pro athlete is where we're at right so pro athlete makes sense but would you it's it's weird and does and steven i have to ask you does this open up the naming for an apple watch studio (laughs) apple watch pro max the the apple watch studio with apple pencil oh my word no 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 this is crazy talk (laughs) no I, i just feel like pro to an apple watch I I still think Apple sees the Apple Watch as a fashion device, you know, even though it has, you know, increased features and better materials in some models like the titanium. But I really do feel like you're saying Pro, I don't know if it fits the Apple Watch. You were going through some of the products where Pro actually means something. And I think the biggest controversy when it comes to the Pro naming convention is the iPad, because now that the iPad Air has an M1 chip and all that, what is the Pro? The Pro is ProMotion, basically, but there's such a difference between... Thunderbolt. Oh, and Thunderbolt, sure. And between the 12.9-inch iPad Pro and the 11-inch, you have the XDR mini-LED screen on the larger model. And so that's one of those, like, if you look at just the 11-inch iPad Pro and the iPad Air, both running M1, you're really looking at the ProMotion difference and then Thunderbolt, but and you can get more RAM, I guess, if you get the terabyte or two terabyte uh, storage versions. But... That, that seems like a more nebulous pro naming convention. For Apple Watch, if the pro is just the material it's made out of, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like there would be better names for that. So Apple has not called it pro yet. This is just German saying this is what he thinks it might be called. And when it comes to like marketing terminology, that's always something Apple can change or adjust closer to the launch of a device. Whereas the actual hardware, you know, when people say like, oh, Apple just changed the hardware design two weeks before the event, like that doesn't happen. But when it comes to marketing terminology and naming, that could change uh, closer to the device launch. So we'll have to see. Speaking of Mark Gurman and the Apple Watch, just this whole thing of a flat sided <laughs> Apple Watch. If you've kept up with this at all, uh, I don't know if you guys care, but I just find it kind of funny because I have to I have to watch all the rumor people just in case you never know when they're going to say something. Right. And right now john prosser is like challenging mark german what, like <laughs> a fight? is this like a wild west type thing no, well so 
basically German made a snide remark about the flat sided Apple watch. And then Prosser, you know, has tweeted, like replied to him saying, Hey, you also agreed days before the Apple watch series seven, that there would be flat sides. And now he's offering Mark German a thousand dollars to come onto his podcast to talk to him about it. So it's just, that's hilarious. Yeah. It's like, my goodness. I don't know. It's just very prosery because if you watch this guy, he's, um, he is the YouTube Twitter personality default of just extreme and he gets paid for it. I, I mean, yeah, don't yeah, knock he's... it. You know, he, he's getting paid to be that extreme personality. It's just so funny to watch this kind of come into the, you know, Bloomberg yeah, yeah. business week <laughs> spectrum Getting called out in front of the salon of, uh, yeah, the, the wild West town. Anyway, that's pretty funny. This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. We all know the pain it is to try and make an appointment at a doctor's, especially one we've never been to before. Maybe you're looking for a specialist or just a new general doctor, finding one that is good that you can trust, but mostly takes your health insurance is one of the biggest headaches possible. And even if you make an appointment, maybe they said they take your insurance, but you go in person months later because, you know, it's impossible to get an appointment. And then you find out they don't accept your insurance and you got to do the process all over again. Well, you can eliminate that entire headache because ZocDoc has a free app that shows you the doctors who are patient reviewed and you can filter those doctors by your exact insurance. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun, whether you're trying to straighten teeth, fix an achy back, maybe get a mole checked out, anything, ZocDoc has you covered. Listen, I personally use the ZocDoc app. It's super user friendly and you can book appointments right from the app. Many are available in the next 24 hours and you put your insurance provider in your account and you can filter doctors that you know take your insurance. You can read those verified patient reviews from real people who have made real appointments so you can be confident when you walk into that doctor's office. So you can go to ZocDoc.com, find the doctor that's right for you, book an appointment. You can do in-person or remote appointments, whatever works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. I'm one of them. I use it all the time. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a quality doctor. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider. You download the ZocDoc app for free and start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Apple Insider. ZocDoc dot com slash Apple Insider. A thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. Oh, new emojis will be coming soon. I imagine we'll see these in a soon iOS, but Emojipedia, you know, it's a website that catalogs all of the different emojis, especially new ones that will be coming. The annual release is not due till September, but there's been 31 proposed new emoji. Uh, it was revealed on World Emoji Day, which is July 17th. But uh, some interesting new emojis. There's like a hand emoji that's like a like stop. It's a it's a high five. I imagine that's... Be- <laughs> I wonder if that's because there's been like the... Maybe it's high five. Yeah, the prayer prayer hands. Yeah. (laughs) And it was always an ongoing debate. Is it prayer hands or a high five? So this is an official high five emoji, kind of a shaking head surprise emoji. I can imagine myself using that. And uh, of course, you know, emoji is the number one way to make people want to update their iOS because they want new emoji. Is there, is there any uh, of the the recent new emoji? Are you using the troll emoji a lot, Steven? No, I do use the uh, like face disappearing into the clouds or like the outline of a face as though you're like, I've, Bart Simpson going back into the hedge uh, gif. So, yeah. Right. I've, I've seen a lot of people use the melting face. Oh, I feel yeah. like that's very I do popular. like the melting face. I've used that a couple times. We had a router roundup on appleinsider.com. I thought I would just mention it because I, I overheard a lady. I talked about this on HomeKit Insider, but there, there was a lady at the barbershop I was at the other day, and she had a she was talking kind of just to the room because she was trying to get an Amazon Ring 
doorbell camera. Yes, I tried to convince her to go with a HomeKit option. Didn't work. But anyway, she was talking about this. And apparently when you go to buy an Amazon Ring doorbell, they tell you you need a 2.4 gigahertz wireless network, which when you specify it like that, people immediately doubt that they have it. And so she was kind of like asking the barbershop, hey, what is 2.4 gigahertz? And do I already like, do I need to buy a new router? And so I tried to explain best I could, but it made me think, you know, maybe not for you listeners specifically, but maybe you have friends and family asking about what wireless router they should get. I feel like 90% of people just use the one that comes with their internet service provider, which, so you know, you could always reject that, usually save about 10 bucks a month on your internet plan because there's like a $10 charge for using their equipment and just use your own. I used my own cable modem and wireless router when I had cable internet. And now with fiber, they do have like this fiber to ethernet converter that you do kind of have to use. But anyway, I use, I use my own wireless router. Of course, I, I might've mentioned it before, but I did the ubiquity Unify Wi-Fi network because I could do power over ethernet and did the whole thing and love the system. And so our roundup talked about a couple ones. If you're looking for a HomeKit enabled router, there's only a few. The Eero does have it, which the article mentions Eero. And if you're recommending a wireless router for friends or family, Yes, Eero is owned by Amazon, so you can decide how you feel about that. But Eero is one of the most dead simple setup Wi-Fi routers. The mesh network is very easy to set up. So a lot of times I do recommend Eero for kind of someone who's not techie but wants a good mesh network. The Linksys Velop, at least the AX4200 tri-band mesh Wi-Fi system. It's Wi-Fi 6 if you want really good Wi-Fi and HomeKit built into a router that's not Eero. That Linksys Velop is a great option. I had the Linksys Velop AX5300, which never got HomeKit, but not bitter there at all. Yeah, I'm still I'm still very sad about that. <sighs> I'm sitting here staring at my. Oh, because you got that one too, right? You got the same. I yeah, 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 I have the not the one thing they never made HomeKit, um, and it's making me want to jump ship to a different like thing. But I don't want to spend seven hundred dollars on routers. No, right no, now. no, no. And and that's, some of those Linksys, Linksys Velops do get very expensive. The Ubiquiti Unify doesn't have HomeKit either, but there was a lot of other features I wanted that, you know, can get. I mean, it's not something I'm, you know, dying for, but it, it was a feature promised a while back. And I it, it's something that would be interesting to have. And I have a feeling that with Matter and everything else, it's eventually going to become more important. And I'm going to have to either, you know, keep what I got and just not have it. Or, but if, if we ever see any feature that says HomeKit, you know, network dependent, I'm going to jump ship immediately and go buy a new router system. And I'm just like, Linksys, what are you doing over God. there? Like, did only eight people buy this router? I, I just don't understand why uh, it's it just still hasn't got the support yet. It's wild to me. One other option that we mentioned, and I've had one of these in the past, is the Netgear Nighthawk. They do have a Wi-Fi 6 router. The AX12 is the model in there. And just if you want something. The most aggressive <laughs> the most aggressive uh, routers you can buy. They're very angry looking, the Netgear Nighthawks. But, you know, if you want something that looks impressive or scary, uh, yeah, go with the Netgear Nighthawk. And that's that's a thing. I had some issues with my internet for a while, staying connected. And I, I'm still pretty sure it's just Spectrum. But I had a Spectrum guy over here installing something at my mom's was talking to him about it. It's like, you know, do you have any recommendations? And I told him, I was like, I don't want your stuff. I, I don't care for your stuff. Cause he basically just told me, yeah, go get a modem from spectrum. I'm like, no, I'm going to go buy one. What do you think? I like, yeah, yeah. what's up? And he's, I said, I have a surfboard. He says, Oh, check and see what right. version you have. Turns out I had Doxis 3.0, which is right. something that's been out for years. And they're all moving to Doxis 3.1, which 
don't have any idea what that means. That, that point one makes a big difference. Though. Apparently. Well, it's years between these yeah. point numbers. So apparently it's important that they're, they're all the new networks are phasing out three dot and they're moving to 3.1. So I was like, okay, cool. I like, how often do you upgrade a modem? I went and bought a new modem. I, it's literally been like five years since I bought one, installed it and, uh, haven't really had any connectivity issues since I, yeah. even before I was just fighting, I was running wires, trying to do hard connections everywhere. Like I just could not figure out why randomly I would just drop connection for like five minutes at a time and throughout the day. And I, I moved over to this new modem and, uh, seems fine. Maybe other things fixed it. I don't know, but seems to help anyway. I will say when I had cable internet, I studied all the Aris models for that because the amount of like downstream and upstream channels change depending on what model you get. And that DOCSIS 3.0 versus 3.1 affects all of that. So do be mindful if you're getting your own cable modem. Do all the research, look at compatibility for your internet provider, all that stuff. Does Apple need to start their own cable modem business? (laughs) No, but I would still be down (laughs) for an Apple mesh Wi-Fi network. That's all I'll say about that. Gosh, an airport router. I'm sorry, Linksys. I will just... I would jump. Dump you in a minute for an airport router. Listen, we've said it before, but an Apple Wi-Fi router with private relay built in, thread and matter support. So that could be your HomeKit hub. And which is also something, one of the ladies that I was talking about with the Alexa, the one who was getting the ring doorbell and I was trying to convince her otherwise, I asked her, do you have an Apple TV or HomePod? And she has an iPhone. She has an iPad. I know you can use an iPad as a home hub. We're not going there. But I asked her, like, do you have any of those devices? And she said, no. And then that is a difficult sell then to say, yeah, if you're already paying for iCloud, you don't have to pay a subscription for your like HomeKit secure video, but you would have to get a home hub, either an Apple TV or HomePod. And then you can get all these other HomeKit devices. And that's not something most people want. You know, if they already have a streaming stick and they already have smart speakers, maybe they have echoes or whatever, but if Apple had Wi-Fi routers and Wi-Fi is something that everybody needs and wants, and that Wi-Fi router was better than the one provided by an internet provider and could be a home hub with private relay, you could see, look, you got all this privacy security, you got HomeKit built in, and it can act as your home hub. I don't know. I feel like that would be worth it. And it should have a screen and it'd be an Apple TV uh, and uh, be a sound bar and a HomePod with Siri. I mean, I'd be down for it. I'd buy it. <laughs> I would get it. I just wonder, you know, Apple thousand knows to every yes, but why now when network security is so important, why are we still sitting here relying on third parties? I mean, not to draw on this too long, but it reminds me of when Apple said, we partnered with LG to make the ultra fine monitor. And it's in a, this amazing Thunderbolt display that you'll hate for the rest of your life. Yeah, and yeah. here's, and they, they officially endorse like Linksys and uh, the other one, um, Netgear. Yeah. Uh, sell them in their store and it's like it feels the same way it's like you're you're endorsing them maybe you're partnering with them and doing home kit but apple's got to be sitting there on the sidelines saying not only could we make our hardware better and more integrated but we could also make some money because it seems to be in demand yeah but i just don't understand the thinking here yeah i agree uh, I, I wish they would get back into some of those product categories also i mean this has been rumored but like the, the larger home pod the only reason i mentioned it we've been out of our pool like our pool's been ready here at our new house and so I wanted to get speakers for outside. I would have loved to have bought an Apple speaker with Siri because that's what I have everywhere else. No big HomePods. I, I needed something bigger than a HomePod mini because it's outside and outdoors. You know, you, you need a little more volume. If you want any kind of bass, it needs to be a little better. And it's like, man, my only option for like AirPlay 2 that's halfway decent is a Sonos speaker. 
I got the Sonos One SL, which doesn't have a microphone. So there's no Hey Sonos, there's no Echo or Amazon Assistant. But to play music, I have to get my phone out and airplay it. I can create shortcuts, but I would love to have just been asking Siri out by the pool to play music from a HomePod, but I just, I needed a bigger one. So I don't know, maybe this fall. I have a little bit of hope because of matter that Apple, and there there has been hints for the last like five years, but there has been hints of Apple investigating, making their own light bulbs and making their own certain like little, just bespoke Apple HomeKit equipment. And it seems that they're interested in it. They're at least looking into it. I can't see it like just going completely nowhere. Obviously, they need to be able to make some kind of money and they need to know that there's a market for it, but it just seems increasingly more necessary as we go forward. And I think uh, it could happen. I mean, if they're going into a car, if they're literally building a vehicle that they're going to sell, why not a router and a light bulb? You know what I mean? It just, it seems like anything's on the table at this point. I understand Tim Cook loves saying that you can fit all of Apple's products on a table, but I don't think they're that company anymore, and they haven't been since like 2016. And uh, yeah. when he did that interview, and it just seems to me like they they're stuck in this weird place. And Johnny Ive, you know that that story and, and love for him finally ending their contract seems to me like a stepping stone towards that future. Where I don't want them to become Samsung, where they're building houses and selling home insurance, mm-hmm. uh, you know, washing machines and vehicles. Uh, no, uh, like I don't I don't know if they should go that far, but they should probably step. A little bit closer to it yeah. you know they're a ma- major company they have these priorities that their consumers that their uh customers obviously also have so why not enter markets that they care about i don't know well let's do some quick lightning round as you were saying johnny ive officially is no longer consulting at apple his company love from the new york times had the story that contract was not renewed and so i don't know how much johnny ive was actually influencing the design at apple in the last two years but it is official that he's no longer connected to the company. So I'll put a link to that article uh, in show notes. Also, more lightning round, YouTube picture-in-picture is now launched everywhere for everyone. But if you don't pay for YouTube premium, you can't use picture-in-picture for music. So you can use picture-in-picture for non-music content, but if you want to watch music videos on YouTube or listen to music and in picture-in-picture, I guess watch it then you'll have to subscribe to YouTube Premium. I thought that was an interesting distinction, but nice that picture in picture is available for everybody. Also, we actually have an ebook now available. Apple Insider released an iOS 15 in-depth guide. And so I'll put a link to the ebook in the show notes if you'd like to check that out. That's pretty fun. And finally, I want to mention this. It's not Apple related, but I feel like it's a big enough deal. The James Webb Telescope, if you haven't been following, NASA launched this telescope a few months ago. It's been in development for years and years. It's finally opened up all the sales and all the lenses and stuff. There was like several hundred points of failure that at any point it might not have worked, but all was successful. And the first images are coming back from the James Webb telescope. The the detail that it provides, as opposed to like the Hubble telescope, it's just much greater detail. It's going to be able to see farther, I believe. But I just want to encourage everybody. I put a link to the NASA article where you can see some of the first images. And it's it's just incredible. Like it's mind-blowing seeing the universe And they've even seen galaxies that are 13 billion light years away, which would have been some of the first galaxies to ever form in the universe. And I just think it's amazing. Have you seen some of those images? They're really uh, interesting. Like uh, apparently we've taken images of the same space before with uh, the lesser telescopes, but uh, I've seen some comparisons between the two and the detail that we're seeing is outstanding. And I'm really excited to see what discoveries that we make because 
what what I find most interesting about this is the deeper we see into space, the further away it's like we're able to see further back in time, more or less. Exactly. Um, yeah. Right, because of how long it takes for light to reach us to take that photo. You know, the the sun is what eight seconds. Um, eight seconds or eight minutes. Eight minutes away. Eight eight minutes. Sorry. So if you look up at the sun, well, don't look at it. But uh, that's that thing that you're seeing is eight minutes old. So if it explodes, it takes about, well, you'd probably know about it sooner, but you wouldn't see it for right, eight exactly. minutes. Right. So <laughs> it's just uh, always fascinating to me how that like distance works because light literally has to travel to, for you to see it. So photographing light from that far away is even more fascinating. Like literally going back to the beginnings of our universe and seeing how it, everything started. It's, it's wild. It's amazing. And if you look at the, like the first image from the telescope, the galaxies that are farthest away are kind of bent in arcs because the light has been shifted. And the reason is for that is because in between the James Webb telescope and the galaxies that it's photographing, there is a cluster of there is a cluster of galaxies acting as like another lens in space. Again, this is millions of light years away. And that cluster of galaxies you can't see in the image is bending the light from these further galaxies in, in just incredible ways. So science and more science is just really cool. And uh, yeah, link in show notes to see those images. It's amazing. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate that. Of course, you could support the show and get an ad-free version, $5 a month in Apple Podcasts or at patreon.com slash Apple Insider. Tweet at Wes and myself your thoughts. If you're running that iOS 16 public beta, I'd love to know. I don't know. Convince me to install the beta on my iPhone. It might, I've never done it before. I've never done the public beta on my main iPhone. This year might be it. I'm not sure. And don't forget to check out HomeKit Insider on Monday. Andrew and I got a fun show for you there. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.